0: Man up, brought to you by construction professionals, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. Join Joe Stappulus every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. And now it's time to man up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting from the Mercy Live Up studios, heard on 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM, and around the globe, streaming online at iowacatholicradio.com. Also, please like us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Joe Stopulus, and today I will be joined by Bud Marr to discuss Abraham in our Great Men of the Bible series. Let us pray. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And do thou, O prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week we had on the great Alan Hunt to discuss Noah, and that took us from basically Genesis six to Genesis ten. And so the story of Noah uh and, and all that entailed how great of a man he was, kind of our first great man in the Bible. Well after after Genesis ten, Genesis eleven bridges the gap to Abraham, who's our uh who we're gonna discuss today. And in Genesis eleven we have the story of the Tower of Babel. Uh, where men were getting awfully prideful, and God decides to take some action, which leads us into Genesis 12. So the narrative of Abraham starts in Genesis 12 and goes all the way to uh, Genesis 25. And I think, as I mentioned, we have this uh, Bible, the Great Adventure Bible, and I think there's a pretty good summary here of the patriarchs themselves. It says, The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Jacob's 12 sons are the fathers of ancient Israel. Their stories cover the period from roughly 2200 to 1800 BC, beginning with the call of Abraham in Genesis 12 and concluding with the family of Jacob settling in Egypt between Genesis 46 to 50. And Jacobs' name is changed to Israel and his 12 sons engender the 12 tribes of Israel. So that sets the stage. On the other side of the break, we're going to have Bud Maron to discuss Abraham and his life. So stick around and we'll be right back. Thank you, construction professionals, for underwriting Man Up. Construction professionals have been long supporters of Iowa Catholic Radio and we've seen their work firsthand. It's very impressive. They do remodeling or new construction that is innovative, functional, and designing what you want. Cpcustomhomes.com. I want to thank McDonald Imaging Solutions, their sponsors of Man Up. If you were at the State Fair this year, they were the ones who provided the new tents and the Pope on a Stick fans that we used. McDonald Imaging Solutions is a family business with thousands of promotional items to choose from. They do things from labeling to marketing, printing, and provide all kinds of promotional products. Marty will personally help any business, big or small, to build their brand with corporate apparel and promo items. McDonald Imaging Solutions, building brands, attracting new customers online at McDonaldImagingSolutions.com. Looking for a family doctor? Vitae Family Cares Physician, Greg McKernan, a D.O., has practiced for 27 years seeing patients of all ages. Vitae is Latin for life, and as a pro-life physician, Dr. McKernan is certified in NAPRO Technology. Located at 50th and I-235 in West Des Moines, vitaefamilycare.com. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for underwriting Christ is the Answer with Father Ricardo and for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Father Ricardo is featured daily at 11 a.m. Monday through Friday. Confluence Brewing Company is located off the bike trail south of Grays Lake. Confluencebrewing.com. My, help comes you. You're right you carry my welcome to man up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting from the Mercy live Up studios heard on eleven fifty a m eighty eight point five f m and ninety four point five fm I am Joe Stopulis, and today i 'm joined by Bud Marr. Uh, Bud is the director of the National Institute for Newman Studies in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was born and raised in Omaha Nebraska where He, after high school, attended John Brown University in Arkansas, Duke Divinity School in North Carolina, and earned his doctorate in historical theology at St. Louis University uh, in 2015. Prior to his current role, he's he was an assistant professor of philosophy here at Mercy Colleges of Health Sciences in Des Moines. He's also a co-host on Iowa Catholic Radio for the Uncommon Good, and he and his wife are both pretty solid at uh, pickup soccer as well. (laughs) Bud, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Good. Well, first off, it was great to hear your voice again and talk to you. This is exciting. Well, congratulations on the new addition to your family. That's exciting. Thank you. No, we are. We're, we're blessed beyond uh, belief. And Father Zach got to baptize the baby last uh, last month. It's, just, uh, it's very exciting all around, and we're just happy to be healthy, 10 fingers, 10 toes, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, Well, and awesome. You have some exciting news in your life as well, which is uh, you have some news regarding your writings on blessed, blessed John Henry Newman. Can you give us a quick update on that?
2: Oh, you scared me! I thought you were telling me I was having another baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was texting with your wife earlier, and she told me the news.
2: Yeah, no, it's been it's been a rewarding year for me. Uh, my dissertation, which is about um, Newman's views on the Church and how they developed during the Catholic period of his life, that was portrait, uh, published by Fortress Academic. But I also contributed to the Oxford Handbook of John Henry Newman, which I think is is, is going to be an important. Um, study in the field of Newman Studies, so that was I was honored to be a part of that.
0: Well, congratulations, uh, and also some exciting news is the second miracle has now been verified, so we're, we're walking towards sainthood, it sure looks and like. And
2: I feel like it should be right around the corner, and people keep asking me for like, the inside scoop. I mean, I, I'm hopeful that it will actually be next October, October 9th, when Newman came into the church, but who knows, you know, they say the church moves in centuries.
0: Yeah. Well, I, well, obviously, uh, you'll, you'll be there. You'll, I mean, do you think you'd be on the altar? I think you'd be on the altar. I would hope Pope Francis knows who I am. <laughs> I think and... you're kind of a big deal around these parts. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. sort of a big deal. <laughs> well, moving on to the uh, topic for today's conversation, which is Abraham. So we're walking through the Bible uh, in this series called, uh, you know, basically we're walking through the great men of salvation history, the great men yeah. of the Bible and we're we're starting off at the top this is the the first um of the the major covenants that we're going to talk about uh obviously we had we talked about Adam in the garden and now we're moving forward to talk about Abraham uh and we've done a we've done a highlight of the entire bible as a whole and talked about all the different genres that we've we've walked through between between poetry and between historical and between uh, narrative and and biography and when i gave you the option of hey but who would you like to talk about you went straight to Abraham can you tell me why you did that
2: Well, I think moving out like, um, to get kind of like a panoramic perspective, I'm sure when you guys talked about the fall, you know, one of the real things that has always struck me about the early part of Genesis is right when humanity goes astray, God, you know, God doesn't leave us to wallow in sin, so to speak, but says, um, you know, I'm going to send a seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent. And what I see with Abraham is that, uh, you, you see a real turning point in salvation history where God's promise to send someone who would crush the head of the serpent, it's particularized in, in a family or in a people. And so Abraham plays such a, a pivotal role because with this move, God establishes the family line that would bring us to Jesus Christ.
0: So from a historical context, uh, obviously Abraham is taking place pretty early on in the Bible here. We're in you know basically the middle part of Genesis. yeah. And so it, it, for all you Bible scholars out there, that's right at the beginning of the Bible. Um, but from... From Adam, from yeah, from Adam to Abraham, I believe is around three hundred and sixty-five years, thereabouts. I think it's twenty generations. So we're still we're, we're pretty removed from Adam from a number of years standpoint, but we're right yeah.
2: at the beginning of the Bible. Is that correct? Right at the beginning of the Bible. So the fall's taken place, and then uh, after that, humanity's wickedness increases more and more until you get to the days of Noah and uh, the way that God. I mean. This probably isn't the best phrase, but, like, hits the reset button, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yep. Establishes that covenant with Noah. You have the famous um, Tower of Babel scene where, um, you know, humanity tries to build this monument to its own wisdom and greatness. God scatters the people there, and so you have the creation of, like, different different languages, different nations. And that brings us to the figure of Abraham. Like you said, several generations removed from Adam.
0: So, what was Abraham's life like uh, early on? Obviously, we know you know we don't really get picked up much in the story until about at the age seventy five or so. What what would you say from Abraham's life and his relationship with God early on was like?
2: Yeah, you know the details are murky before God calls him to um, enter into this covenant. Uh, he seems to be a fairly well to do person. You know, like the way that that wealth and prestige was kind of tabulated was through flocks, and Abraham seems to have cattle and, and maidservants, et cetera. But it's really with the call. And, you know, the call to Abraham has always struck me, even that initial call, because God asked him to leave what's familiar. And so Abraham's living, like you said, he had lived for some time, and he's living in a land that he knows near family and everything like that. And God says to him, you know, Abraham, take everything that you have and go to the land that I will show you. So, that, I mean, isn't that how life works sometimes? Like, we would like to know what's around the next corner, God doesn't lay out uh, the path of his future. He just says, I'm giving you this call, and you have to uproot everything and go to the place that I'll show you.
0: It sounds like a story of my friend Bud Marr, who left Des Moines to go to the the unknown territory of Pittsburgh. I've spent many hours in the confessional (laughs) trying to make amends for that one. You're a modern-day Abraham, and you used to have huge flocks. People were like, why does this guy have huge flocks in Des Moines, Iowa? And you wanted to show everyone your wealth, right? That was part of it?
2: I'm glad uh, sheep herding isn't part of my job description, because I'd be terrible at it. But no, you know, like, the thing with Abraham, too, I just mentioned the Tower of Babel. With the Tower of Babel, the, the folks who were building that said, like, let's make a great name for ourselves. And so part of their sin was that um, they wanted to make their own name great, and this was something that they were going to achieve apart from God. With Abraham, God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will give you a great name. You know, those who bless you, I will bless those who curse you I will curse, and all the nations of the earth, earth will be blessed through you. So the covenant is particularized, it's given to a specific man who's going to be the father of a great nation, but it's also universal in that it's intended to bless all peoples throughout the earth.
0: Yeah, I think one of the big things to me is Abraham, as you mentioned, his you know, first being called by God. Yeah. He... He immediately responds in the positive to faith. He does not question. He does not argue. He just says, "Basically, your will be done." He has almost yeah. a Mary. I guess you could say Mary has a Abrahamic response to God, meaning there's not this. Well, let me see. Let me wallow in it. Let me respond right now in the affirmative. And I think that's it's something you see throughout his life. Um, that's laudable to Abraham. One of the examples we can see today is that,
2: you know, when God says go, yeah, he, he goes. Well, that's the thing, and Abraham, um, you know, with, with um, he's one of those figures in the Bible that we can really look to in terms of just having this uh, this trust in God, you know, where um, the circumstances around him, uh, there's nothing that can can be a sure indicator. You know, it's not like Abraham had his 401k squared away before he left his country, but God calls him, and like you said, Abraham listens. And then, you know, even the famous story of the biting of Isaac, where he's willing to um, offer up his son to God, it says in Hebrews that he believed God was able to restore Isaac to life. And so Abraham's trust in some, some points of the narrative is just astounding. Now, on the flip side, I mean, you also see God's faithfulness and grace, and that's a thread running throughout um, the Abrahamic narrative. Because like all these great figures in the Bible, Abraham has his, his moments where he trips up, you know, where he lies to Pharaoh because he's afraid that Pharaoh's going to take Sarah as a wife and things like that. And so God, I mean, God reaches out to Abraham before Abraham's response, and then even in those moments where he trips and falls, it's it's really with Abraham where God says, like, I'm going to fulfill this covenant regardless, sort of 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 the human foibles that are involved.
0: it's great. I, I'm glad you pointed that out because Abraham, of all the figures in the Bible, is one of the most mean uh, close to perfect as you get because he's so. Yeah. Quick to to say yes, but at the same time, like David, he does have these flaws that, that pop out. And I think uh, as us, as men today, these are great examples for us to look to because yeah. they're not perfect all the time.
2: No, we can identify with them. And then, you know, like even a great figure like Abraham, you see this like story where God has promised uh, many descendants and his wife has a lack of faith. And then Abraham takes Hagar and, and sleeps with her and tries to, so to speak, like produce the covenant that way. Um, and that 's how Ishmael's born, but it clearly is not what God intended, and so it brings it, it actually brings greater heartache into abraham 's life for this lack of faith
0: and it shows god 's patience as well with abraham you know he cho- He chooses Abraham, Abraham goes off and screws it up, and god 's still patient and and still fulfills his side of the covenant and Again, one of the things throughout this series that I think yeah. we'll be harping on a lot is your history repeats itself a lot throughout the course of the Bible.
2: Oh man, you see these stories coming up and up again, but like like you said, it's God who we can rest assured in his promises. And you see in the story of Abraham, well really in the entire Genesis narrative that God chooses the people who you wouldn't necessarily expect to carry the line, and often it's through like barren women, so the births through which the covenant are propelled, you know, they're they're sort of miraculous in and of themselves. One of my favorite accounts in the life of Abraham is when God renews the covenant with him. I want to say maybe like Genesis 17. And uh, there's this famous story where God says, bring these various animals to me and offer up this sacrifice. And so he he grabs like a heifer and I think various kinds of birds, and he cuts the animals in half. I mean, it's pretty nitty-gritty, this sacrifice. And the idea was that after the animals were cut in half, that the two parties of the covenant would pass through, and what they were saying, in effect, was like, if I don't uphold my end of the bargain, let it be done unto me what was done unto these animals. But in the part of the, the covenant renewal where both parties would normally pass through, the Bible tells us that God put Abraham to sleep. And then there's this torch of fire, which represents God's presence, who, which passes through the carcasses itself. And so God is saying, again, I know, Abraham, that is a human being that you and your descendants will fill but my word will abide forever and regardless of what happens in the future like i'm the one who will fulfill his covenant and so we see powerful historical events like that and we know like we can rest assured that that god's you know promises won't fail for us either
0: one of the, uh, it made me think of the, the wedding today, you want to think about the, the groom side and the bride side and the covenant that's being made as people walk through the middle, as the bride and the groom walk through the middle, and the covenant they're making in front of that and the Old Testament roots to that. And I always have that flashback when I think about how we are this this, this people, of cov- the covenant people.
2: Yeah, you know, with uh, with undergrads, when I teach the Bible, I really drive this home because I think in our society, and sort of like with capitalist economics, we reduce so much of life to contractual terms, you know, sort of like, we can sometimes even treat our marriages, Uh, well, I mean, an example that I throw out is, like, it's easier to break sometimes a marriage contract than a mortgage in our society, but in in Scripture, you see how important covenants are, and this is how we come to know God and to enter into the promises of God, and so, again, in our time, in our day and age, you know, the witness that husbands and wives provide through the fulfillment of this covenant is so—it's such a powerful witness to the world.
0: Another thought I had—you earlier talked about the women that are used in the course of salvation history—and one of my yeah. favorite things is that you know Matthew and the genealogy of Matthew—you know the the four women. First off, women just normally wouldn't yeah. be mentioned. The four ones mentioned are: let's uh, see, so Tamar, you've got uh Ruth, the wife of Uriah, and oh, where's the other one? Anyway, all these people that would not normally be mentioned, but they're mentioned because of yeah. you know the oh the auspicious
2: surroundings behind them i suppose you would say uh, yeah these are these are moments in church history like someone like with what happened to tamar where you'd think like oh maybe the the biblical writers would leave that out yeah. i think you're i think you're exactly right i think um matthew includes those things because he wants to demonstrate to his readership like look this is what god achieved sometimes in unexpected ways but it was really the hand of god that was at work in the lives of people like ruth etc
0: well, there's also the, you know, the foreshadowing of, hey, by the way, I'm going to tell you this story about this unwed woman who's, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, who's about to give birth to, to uh, the Savior. So, uh, another thing from the life of Abraham that I think we can take away from is, this is a kind of a really small story in it, but when he's, when he and Lot, um, are no longer able to live, uh, peacefully, yeah. um, Abraham basically says, hey, Lot, you can just take whichever land you want, and there's a pretty clear delineation between the good land and the bad land, um, and Lot. Chooses the good land, and Abraham goes off to the the much less fertile land. I think that that selflessness, even within the relationships of people he's around, is another great example for us.
2: No, Bo and I were we were talking about this you, on the don't end bring
0: Bo into this show. This is my <laughs> yeah, show.
2: You told me you would <laughs> shut down this interview if I brought up <laughs> Bo, but we were talking about like so many of the metaphors that Christ uses in the Gospels about like money, like um, uh, you know, like it should re- it, it will return to you tenfold or store up treasures where moth and rust don't destroy. We take those as kind of symbolic, but I think our Lord is actually driving home the fact that, like, the investments that you make on behalf of the kingdom of God, like, their return is actually more sure than anything you can invest in in this world. And you see this in Abraham's life where he has this kind of gratuity in his best moments because he knows, like, what he gives to God will be returned back greater than what he could have imagined. So with Lot, like you said, you know, he takes... The really undesirable land, even though in in the relationship, Abraham really, so to speak, had the leverage, the upper hand, but he um, he shows this gratuity towards his nephew, and of course, this gets lot into some hot water later in Sodom and Gomorrah. Steve Ray uh, does a... he's got a... it's
0: called the Footprints of Christ, I'm pretty sure is the name of a Bible study. Anyway, it's from the 90s, okay. and it is... Um, the, so it's not stunning, high definition. It might be early 2000s. not stunning, high definition, and Steve Ray makes a lot of yeah. Um, corny, corny jokes. That, that said, that's yeah. <laughs> very Steve Ray esque humor. That said, um, one of the cool things it does is, is it walks you through the salvation history as it was in, in in these different places. And one of my big takeaways from the one on uh, yeah. on Abraham is the land in the, these travels he was making were. I mean, God tells him to go this place. And the desolation that he has to walk through. You don't really understand it until A, you've either been there and then B, this kind of gives you a glimpse of it. It's just, it's complete desolation. So for him to trust God and give up his flocks and go is, is even more stunning when you realize just how ridiculous this, the landscape and the terrain is.
2: I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think he left a place of certainty and where he had real roots to go to literally kind of a wilderness. And, you know, just Joe, and talking about all of these stories, like, um, I would say uh, to our listeners, just really, you know, dive into the story of Abraham's life. The more that I'm thinking about what to share, it's like so many elements of his life are so important to salvation history. We only have so much time, and it can be tempting, like, I'm just going to read the Gospels. But, you know, like the figure of Melchizedek as a precursor for Christ and as an image or icon for the priesthood of the New Covenant, you have the binding of Isaac, and there's so there's so much built into that story where God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And, you know, Mount Moriah becomes um, the place where the temple is eventually built. It's also got this powerful prophecy looking forward to the death of Christ on Calvary. Um, there's there's so much there, so much rich stuff.
0: Yeah, if you haven't read The Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn, he does a really good job of of doing the parallels between our, our sacrifice that we do with the Eucharist, and the uh, obviously a lot of it coming back to Genesis 22 with the sacrifice yeah. of Isaac, Isaac, and the parallels. I mean, if you haven't read it and haven't really dove deep into it, it's uh, it's pretty spectacular. And to your point, I mean, we could spend a sh- we could spend a whole series on just Genesis 22 on just can, the the sacrifice of Isaac.
2: So much in Genesis 22, you know, the only son carrying the wood of sacrifice up a hill, willingly. Um, and then God, um, when, when, when they're going up the hill and Isaac says to his father, like, so we've got the tools for sacrifice, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide um, a lamb, my son. When they get up there and an angel stops Abraham's hand from sacrificing Isaac, God provides a ram um, in the thicket. And uh, New Testament scholars, the early church fathers really made a big deal about this, that, like, we're still looking forward to the coming of the lamb, it would serve as the sacrifice. And then the place is given the name Mount Moriah, which can be translated God will provide, but also this is the place where the Lord is seen. So the place of sacrifice this mountain where an only begotten Son is offered becomes the place where God becomes most visible in his glory.
0: And then the, the forerunner to Christ, John the Baptist, in a dramatic scene, points over and says, Behold the Lamb of God. There's the Lamb of God. There's the one you've been looking for. Yeah. Uh, and fulfills it. It's just... And, one of the big takeaways I got when I put all this stuff together—I didn't put it together when I when I read, did all this reading—and uh, yeah. you first discovered, it's like the brilliance in putting together the Bible it would be more so than any of the greatest the greatest story of all time. People think about you know Tolkien and and maybe the the, the Iliad, and the Odyssey. This the Bible itself, with the foreshadowing uh, and everything yeah. that's going on, how well it's, it's integrated together no human person could have come up with this story. It's just too much.
2: No, and if you think about the span in which the books were written, like the time time frame and the different centuries mm-hmm. and things, but, like, um, I had a professor, Richard Hayes, who wrote an entire book called Echoes of Scripture and the Writings of Paul. And when you start diving into those studies, you see how much of the language of the New Testament crosses over. There's this intertextuality with the old. So, like, the longer you spend in Scripture, you know, the more you just you, you keep... Um, uh, reaping out of it and for us like when, when when the first listeners read paul's letter like they were they were so well versed in scripture so there would have been a lot of that resonance for us it takes a little bit more work but it's all it's all rewarded in the end would you say it's a lot like arrested development <laughs> you can say that if you'd like yeah. <laughs> i think there might be an article about that that i've stumbled across <laughs> I like I intertextuality and arrested development oh great, i
0: shouldn't have said that but i had to all right hey dr bud mar thank you so much for joining us today
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, and this series was a great idea, so props to
0: you, Joe. Thanks a lot, bud. Hey, take care. Uh, We're going to head to a short break. Stick around, and we'll be right back. Looking for a family doctor? Vitae Family Cares Physician Greg McKernan, a DO, has practiced for 27 years, seeing patients of all ages. Vitae is Latin for life, and as a pro-life physician, Dr. McKernan is certified in NAPRO Technology. Located at 50th and I-235 in West Des Moines, vitaefamilycare.com.
1: Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a Group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates addressing your smile, needs, and dreams online at Des Moines Dental
0: Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for underwriting Christ is the Answer with Father Ricardo and for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Father Ricardo. Is featured daily at 11 a.m. Monday through Friday. Confluence Brewing Company is located off the bike trail south of Grays Lake. ConfluenceBrewing.com. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. Big thanks to Bud Marr for joining me to discuss Abraham. So much to take away from the story of Abraham. Obviously, we talked many times about his faith uh, and how important that was in his life. A great piece here uh, on the patriarchs from the Great Adventure Bible uh, on the significance of the plan of salvation I thought was worth noting. It says, while salvation history, God's action to set, wrong, uh, to set right what had gone wrong, has been fulfilled, unfolding since God's first promise of redemption in Genesis three fifteen. The story takes a new turn in Genesis twelve with the call of Abraham, the father of the chosen people, through whom the Lord will one day bring salvation to the whole world. God's promises to Abraham is a great nation, a great name, worldwide blessing. They provide a roadmap for the rest of the Bible. So a great nation takes place in Exodus 1 uh, seven. The great name takes place in 2 Samuel 7. And the worldwide blessing takes place in Galatians three eight. So we'll see that uh, as we unfold through the rest of the Bible. Uh Next week, we will discuss the stories of Isaac and Jacob. So we'll move from Abraham, talk about the next two in line, Isaac and Jacob, before we then get into the great story of Joseph um, in a couple of weeks, which I feel like we're going to do an entire series just on Joseph himself, uh, such a towering figure uh in, in salvation history, Joseph was. So, uh, again, ha- join us next week and we get deeper into the patriarchs with Isaac and Jacobs. Thanks again to Bud Marr, and thank you all for joining us today on Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stoppulous. It's time to Man Up. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness with Joe Stopulus. heard Mondays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Brought to you by Construction Professionals.